0: Well, good morning, it's good to see you, and uh, what a beautiful day it is after having a week's worth of clouds and uh, having the sun shine this morning, and uh, just a great day as we come together to worship our Savior and Lord, and thank you for your presence today and being a part of this time of worship. Uh, in just a few moments, we will, as we do so of uh, this uh, particular Sunday, that uh, we will observe that of the... Receiving that of the Lord's Supper this morning, it is our prayer that uh, you've given your life to Christ. You have been biblically baptized, and part of this, that you can do so. If not, then uh, this is something you would want to observe, and uh, if you need to be saved, you've come to the right meeting today, okay? And uh, you can see me, see Brett, see someone today, and uh, give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Resurrection Celebration Sunday, that which we know to be Easter, uh, comes a little early this year. It is going to be on the 31st of March. I don't know if you've marked your calendar for that yet, but uh, it is, which uh, uh, Palm Sunday will be that of March the 24th. And in preparation for this over these next several Sundays, what I would like to do is to speak to you, to talk to you about the seven last words, the seven last sayings of our Lord Jesus Christ from that of the cross, from what we hear, hear from Him in the Gospels. I'm going to add one more sermon to this particular series because I believe it is so important and you'll know when it does happen. But I hope that you'll be a part of these times and a part of this time of this particular series as we walk through The seven last words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And with that today, we today hear His word of forgiveness. His word of forgiveness. And I invite you to take your Bible, if you would please, and turn, if you would, to the 23rd chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 23. And I want to begin reading in verse 32, down through about verse 38. And as we hear our Savior's words today, Luke chapter 23 verse 32, Luke tells us two others and he identifies them, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him, that is Jesus. And when they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right, And one on the left. Then Jesus said, now you might want to underline or just mark that word said. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. That is the soldiers. The people stood watching and even the leaders kept scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine, and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him, This is the king of the Jews. The last words of a family member, the last words of a friend, can be impressive and and memorable. Never a man died as Jesus died on the cross. The pain of the cross was overwhelming. It was not unusual for one being crucified to faint faint when the nails were being driven in the base of the hand and into the feet. And at 9 o'clock a.m., Jesus was weary both in mind and in his body. All night long that there had been one betrayal right after another. The treachery of Judas Iscariot, the denial of Simon Peter, disciples deserting, the Jewish leaders who should have stood as priests of righteousness had condemned on trumped-up charges the Son of Righteousness. And so from one place to another, from one court to another, like a kangaroo court, they had dragged Jesus. Half dead already, He was stretched out upon that cross. The instrument of torture had been raised to allow falling into its receptacle with such a jolt that all of his bones could be taken out of joint. Uh, he had been spat upon his body had been lacerated with Roman hip whips, and in such excruciating pain and agony, sometime around nine a m the first words fell from his lips. Uh, you see him there in that particular verse in verse thirty-four, then Jesus said. Uh, that verb said is what we refer to as the imperfect tense. Uh, you know your English, you know it's something that happened in the past, but it has ongoing, continuing results. And literally that it means that uh, Jesus kept on saying, that Jesus kept saying this particular, these particular words. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. It is possible that he began saying this while the soldiers were preparing him for crucifixion. Father, forgive them. And that he continued saying this to pray this after he was then nailed and lifted up on the cross. Father, forgive them. Three of the sayings from the cross were a prayer from Jesus. The first words were a prayer of forgiveness. In his book, The Life of Christ, Dr. David Smith speaks of the kind of thing that often happens when criminals were crucified. He says that they shrieked. Some yelled, many cursed, some spat at those who tortured them, but, but here is one who could only say, Father, forgive them. We see from the prayer of Jesus several things. One is we see the prayer of forgiving love. Now in Jesus' prayer, we, we see uh, this Prayer and petition because from this prayer and petition there were several things. One is this prayer and petition was, uh, was submissive. Jesus addresses His Father. Father. Remember that He taught us to pray our Father. The fourth saying from the cross we know that there would be this cry where He would say, my God, my God, but, uh, here he says, Father. A few hours previously, Jesus had knelt in the garden, sweating as it were, great drops of blood, as he contemplated the meaning of the cross and, and his identification with sin. And, and to see that of the sinless Son of God falling literally prostrate with his face in the ground, in the dirt. and There he had prayed. Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And even upon the cross, he he could have slain the the brutal soldiers in whatever way he desired, but he submitted himself to the will of his Father and became our Savior that we might know his forgiving love. Let's everybody just have a prayer. Go ahead, Brett. Amen. Thank you. The emergency is not that we know life record. It certainly help it. All right. Okay. Thank you for praying. Thank you, Brett. Thank you so much and <laughs> praying for those and always thankful for our first responders and continue to pray and, and pray for them. So even upon the cross, our Savior could have slain those. The brutal soldiers in whatever way he desired. But he was submissive. And he submitted himself to the will of his Father and became our Savior that we might know his forgiving love. His prayer and petition was not only submissive, but his prayer and petition was also inclusive. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. Now, who are them. Uh, who was included in that, that particular word? Well, we, we could say the soldiers. We could say those who beat him. We could say the mob. We could say Pontius Pilate. We could say the the high priest Caiaphas, Judas Iscariot, Simon Peter, the disciples, the religious leaders. But but guess who also was included in them? I was. You were. Yes, he was praying for you and for me. You say, well, I'm not like those people. I'm different. I'm not that bad. I'm not the kind of person who would ever crucify someone. I'd never do anything like that. Uh, You know, believe it or not, we're not as good as we look, are we? We're not that much different were not that much better. It included every man, every woman, every boy and girl before and since the cross where Jesus hung there as the Redeemer and Savior of the whole world. So His prayer was inclusive. Finally, His prayer was redemptive. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now, did they really not know what they were doing? Uh, The soldiers who were familiar with all of the happenings in Jerusalem and kept their eye on Jesus, they they knew something about Jesus' preaching and teaching. and They must have been challenged again and again as they went to take Him, but they couldn't because of the gracious words that, that came out of His mouth. And surely the religious leaders and the priest had some estimation of who he was. Even Pontius Pilate, uh, after weighing the evidence of the Lord Jesus Christ, he would say that this man has done nothing wrong. And even Judas Iscariot, who had betrayed him, that from his very words he would say, I have betrayed innocent blood. They know what they are doing. But they did not know what it really means. They they know what they are doing, but they don't know what the man on the cross, who the man on the cross really is. And so when Jesus Christ, when He cried out these words, He was really saying, Father, forgive them, because they need forgiveness more than they ever know. Father, forgive them because they are in desperate need of forgiveness and they don't even know it. We know that after the day of Pentecost that Simon Peter expressed the same thought addressing religious leaders saying in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, Now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leader." And even Paul himself said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now knowing the fact of sin, what sin can do, that sin separates us from God, sin brings death. We cannot fathom the enormity of it. No one will ever live to know the depths of human sin and crucifying Jesus Christ. And we're all included in that act. But in deepest love, in His mercy, He could say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. It is a prayer of forgiving love. We also see that uh, something in this prayer, the power of forgiving love. The ultimate power in the universe is the power of forgiving love. Now, this is what distinguishes Christianity from all other religions, from all other philosophies in the world. Within the context of Jesus' prayer and in the unfolding of biblical truth, we we see something of this power of forgiving love. Now look at it. One, this power of forgiving love is, is magnetic. Jesus said in another place in John chapter 12, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men, I will draw all people to myself. Now, replace the condition, replace the if with when, when I am lifted up from the earth. There was no doubt in Jesus' mind that, that he would be crucified, but, but he implies that the attraction of the cross would prove to be the mightiest, the most uh, sovereign motive ever brought to bear on, on the human will. It is the Spirit of God that draws us to the cross. All men, all people does not suggest that, that all will be saved, no. It means all people without distinction. Uh, all people have opportunity to come to Christ. God does not force you, no. He draws you, He draws you by His Spirit. Jesus was lifted up that we might find the way, that we might know the truth, and yes, that we might receive the life in Him. The cross reminds us that God loves the world and that the task of the church is to take the gospel, that we're to take the gospel to all people. So I encourage you to allow that redemptive magnetism to vibrate through and in and through your life. Christ and Him crucified is magnified through our life and our mouth when we speak His name unto others. The power of forgiving love is not only magnetic, but the power of His forgiving love is also dynamic. The Apostle Paul said, and we remember the words from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And this is what was demonstrated when Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. You know, the prayers of Jesus are always answered and we see these answers through the power of forgiving love in in people's lives. Think about it. We'll see this next week when we see the second saying. Because you, you, you see a man who was saved in the last minute of his life on earth and we see that from the second word, that the thief on the cross had been cursing. He had been hurling insults. He had been giving abuse to the Lord Jesus Christ, as did others who were crucified around him. And yet there must have been something that drew the man because he heard a man, who, others who had cursed, others who had spit on others. The man, while being prepared to be crucified, said, Father, forgive them as they lifted up the cross and they placed it in that receptacle and every bone in his body may have come out of joint, he heard him say, Father, forgive them. And suddenly this man who had been cursing, who had been hurling insults, hears this prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, forgive them. The thief turns, he looks, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And literally Jesus says to him, today with me in paradise. And one day in heaven, those of us who know Christ will see that dying thief, that believing thief. Now guess what, he never was baptized, was he? Huh? Huh? Ah, that's another sermon, okay? That's another sermon. (laughs) All right? I think he'd have been baptized if he could have gotten down off the cross. But he was saved in believing Christ. There was a centurion soldier who was standing at the foot of the cross. This centurion soldier, callous, indifferent, hard as nails soldier who ordered his men to do their job and they were to do it quickly. I believe he also heard the words of the Lord Jesus, saw it in the Lord Jesus, and this soldier would confess, surely this was a righteous man. The prayer of that forgiving love was also evidenced at Pentecost because when Simon Peter, when he stood and he preached to the crowd, he was speaking yes to some, we really believe, some who were there who stood at the foot of the cross of Jesus. And Peter would just preach and he would say that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And we know that as Luke reports that 3,000 of these were converted that day, multitudes after converted, among whom were many religious leaders whose voices had been heard above the clamor of the crowd who were crying out on that one day, crucify Him. And yet we're still we're still in that period of Pentecost and that prayer of forgiveness is still being answered today. That, that through the cross of Jesus Christ, God has provided a way for you today in your life to be forgiven. Your sins forgiven. He, he does not expose sin in us to condemn us. but No. He comes to convict sin, righteousness and judgment so we can turn from our sin, turn to Him, to be cleansed and forgiven. Peter would preach and would say on Acts chapter 3 verse 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, erased, so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So there is this prayer of forgiving love, there is this, uh, power of forgiving love. But but finally, we also see the pattern of this forgiving love. Jesus gives to every one of us his pattern of forgiving love. Remember that Jesus taught us that we are to live a lifetime of forgiveness. That forgiveness is a choice. Now, as we forgive others, we Come to see that there is, yes, that there is a cross that we must always bear. When Jesus prayed these particular words, he was experiencing excruciating pain. You know, we don't really forgive until we do it from a heart that aches and is crushed. Someone hurt you. Somebody said something to you. Somebody cheated you. What you thought was rightfully yours went to somebody else. And it's, you've let it destroy you. We cannot show Calvary love without Calvary blood. And so there is this cross, our cross that we must bear, that we die daily as Paul says. That we deny self and we take up our cross to follow Him. If we would be ministers of reconciliation. To know something of this pattern of forgiving uh, forgiving love. It costs to be real, to be transparent and to be authentic. It means involvement in the redemptive love of Christ. And to know the fellowship of His sufferings as Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. But yet uh, we come also to see that there is the Christ that we must also share. I, I somehow think that Paul had Jesus' prayer in mind when he wrote the words that are familiar to many of us found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, Along with every form of malice. Then he says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ God forgave you. Now we have to know personally the crucified life. Before we can share about the crucified Lord. Now the book of Acts tells us about Stephen. If you don't know anything about Stephen. Stephen was a deacon. I used to have, deacon. when I was a pastor, I'd just lead a little Bible study, lead a Bible study on, on Stephen the deacon. Well, Stephen the martyr, Stephen who stood up for his Lord, his only crime was, is that he preached the gospel. And Acts chapter 7 records one of the greatest sermons ever. And Acts 7 also records how Stephen's enemies, as they were hearing his message, that many of them clenched their teeth and ground their teeth. There were those who were just snarling like wild animals. And then they picked up rocks and stones and they pelted Stephen with the stones and the rocks, and, and like his Lord before him, that Stephen cried with a loud voice these words as he's being stoned. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Stephen was paying the price, sharing the gift of forgiveness, pattern of forgiving love. It's been said that forgiveness is is probably the most beautiful word in the Bible because it reflects the most beautiful look in the face of of God. And I believe it is significant that the first recorded words that we hear from the cross are words of forgiveness. That He is at the heart of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness our greatest need. That He exemplifies the pattern of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. You know, if the truth be told and told fairly, we're we're just like them. We are them. They are us. And if we don't see that, then we've missed the the first words of what Jesus says to us from the cross. Maybe it is you've been hurt. Uh, You've been carried around a pain. You haven't forgiven the person who hurt you. Now beware. Unforgiveness... (laughs) If it runs its course, it turns into bitterness, can turn into anger, malice, hatred, and yet even for some, it's turned into murder. What do you do? How can you exemplify that power of forgiveness Others by forgiving others in love just as Jesus has forgiven us. Well, first of all, I say this, and this is the practical aspect of this message. First of all, make sure that your relationship with God is right. Claim that the, the promise of, of 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. Don't be quick about it. You know, we're quick about it just saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins without overcoming to God and naming them. And the word confess literally meaning to agree, agreeing with what God says about the sin that we've done. Lord, you know, I had this bad thought. Lord, you know, something that I said was not right. Lord, you know that I I, I did this and I did that. And Lord, I bring this before you. David prayed. David asked, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Dear brothers and sisters, I tell you today that we cannot forgive others if we're not right with God ourselves. And so the promise is that John tells us is that if we confess our sins, get God is righteous and just and will cleanse us and will forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. You know, every January, Every January, people will talk about turning over a, a new leaf. Huh? Now, now for many, that means taking all the leaves from the last year and raking them over into the new year. We bring them all with us. We don't turn anything over. We just carried our burdens and our hurts from one year To the next. Haunting memories. Injured feelings. Thoughts about the past that we just can't get out of our mind. And sadly. Sadly some folks live for years under a terrible burden. Or live under a remembered pain from the past at some point. And at some point yes. We need to let that go. Now here's something that may help you. Okay. Maybe you've done this before. I often tell people. Just to take a sheet of paper. You write the words of Jesus. Here at the top. This prayer. Father forgive them. For they do not know what they do. You just write that. That particular prayer there. And on the left side of the paper. Now, for some, it may take more than one page. You write down the things, the people, the memories from the past that have hurt you so badly. Now, you make it brief. You make it simple. You don't have to write out a paragraph. Just write it out. And get this. No one needs to see this sheet. It's just between you and God. And so when you're finished, then you add one word in large letters to the right side of each hurt from the past. Forgiven. 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 Now listen. Say a prayer. Thank God for his faithfulness, his mercy, his love, his grace. And when you're finished, (laughs) you take that piece of paper. You rip it up. Tear it. Don't keep it. Burn it if you need to. Forgiveness is a a choice. Uh, Forgiveness. And you let go of those painful memories once and for all. Now listen, this isn't a magical exercise that can suddenly take away your pain. But I will say this. I believe it is a practical way of, of coming to grips with the first words from the cross of what Jesus, as he prayed for you, as he prayed for me. Do you want to be set free? I mean, would you like to come closer to Jesus Christ? Have a closer walk with Him than than you ever have before? Then, Then start where Jesus began on the cross. By yes, by becoming a great forgiver. We all need courage to take that giant step of forgiveness. God will give you that courage if you come to Him today and you ask Him. However painful forgiveness may be in our life, listen, it's infinitely better than refusing to forgive and to live a life of unforgiveness. We all will be helped to do it when we remember that Jesus forgave us. Yes, when we were unforgivable. I still remember this story. It happened two or three years ago in Des Moines, Iowa. Officers, first responders, were called to an apartment building on fire. That a mother and her three children under the age of three were trapped inside on the third floor. Heavy smoke kept the officers from coming to the mother and her three children and reaching them. So they told the mother to drop her children one by one out the window so they could catch them. So one by one, that's just what the officers did. A ladder was then used and placed up to the window to where the mother was, to where the mother was helped, where she could come out. The mother later said this. She said, I cannot thank these officers. I cannot thank you enough for what they have done. She said, I owe them the world because... They saved my world. Now, the fact is this. Our entire world is on fire. And only one man, only one, can save us. Only one can forgive us. His name is Jesus Christ. Today you can have a new beginning For some of you today, it is to come to know and to trust and place your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Uh, The verse a few moments ago was on the screen. I like these verses from time to time to read them during the time of worship. But Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, In Christ we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And if you do not know Christ today, then today then come to know Him because He forgives your sin. He gives you new life as you come to Him. Come to me, come to Brett, come to Alan, come to one of us today to let us know of how we can help you and pray with you. Most of you are Christians today. Listen, how is your forgiveness today that as Jesus prayed these first words of the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And as we come before this particular time of receiving that of the Lord's Supper, of remembering that, yes, that His body was beaten and that His blood was shed at the cross to forgive us of our sins, that without the shedding of blood that there is no forgiveness of sin, that today you'd be in your relationship with Him, you'd be in your relationship with one another, that to go forward together as a body of Christ of Main Street Baptist Church, that we will stand as one together to go forward for his kingdom, for his name. Do it today. Father, we thank you, O God. We thank you, Father, because we we just cannot, cannot fathom, Lord, all of the pain and the anguish, that our Savior took as he died upon that cross, before the very time, and as he prayed, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, we give thanks today for your grace, for your love to us in every way. We thank you, Father, for the cross and the drawing power of the cross today. The magnetism of the cross, the the, the cross is dynamic today. Drawing people to you to give your, to give themselves, give their life to you. So, Lord, this is our prayer just now. Use this time today in a time of reverence, in a time as we remember why Christ came, and as a church body together, that, Lord, that we choose to live a life of forgiveness, just as Christ, God in Christ forgave us of our sin.